BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hello, friends. Welcome to Unsiloed the show that busts the echo chambers. If you dig hearing opposing perspectives about big issues from a point of mutual respect, if you like debate but love light, not heat, welcome home. Jesus, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Uh, Yeah. The subject line of our conversation this week. Yeah. Just in case you were guessing. Just in case, in case you were wondering what we were going to talk about. distracted and want to talk about something else. You know, the, the hard thing about talking about this is that this it's like a moving target because the, yeah. the, the, the story changes literally by the hour. I, I in my, We're doing this on Tuesday mm. afternoon, but I looked up uh, articles and they're being published literally like one hour ago, three hours ago, four yeah, hours ago. Yeah. So we're going to try to put our, um, you know, tamp down the timeline a little bit here. Um freely knowing that by the time that this comes out on Thursday, situations may have changed. But the whole subject of Twitter, the ebbs and flows and ups and downs of the Twitter acquisition by Elon Musk and what it means for free speech and what it means for privacy and what it means for content moderation, all those things are part of our discussion. And there's a lot of like ancillary Twitter things too happening, Yeah, which one of them is going to be my courage or cringe. By the way, I have a courage and a cringe, so we'll oh, see if wow. we have so enough time. In case... Uh... And Paul Short again, you could just I could just rely on you. Yeah, so two. If, if you do cringe, I'll do courage. Oh, or, okay. You know, I'll, I'll kind of G- play it that game way. time decision. I like that. Let, you have an audible. An audible, exactly. Speaking, did you see that game last night? I saw some of it. So good. It was um, really good. I love watching the Chiefs, man. It's like that's like it's just a good mood time to watch the Chiefs play. I know, except if you're a Raiders fan. My um, that's my, just bad cal- bad calls though. Bad coaching, I think that they lost that game. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of things. Um, yeah. I feel so bad. My cousins are very big Raiders fan, and I've been like harassing them every single game. Mm-hmm. Of course, this season, lots to harass them about. And this one, I, I find like even like, oh, like, oh man, tough loss. Can't. That's like, it, it just, just hard. I, I feel bad. I feel bad. Well, they tried to go for Although, two. They should have just tied it up. I would say when they were winning by only 10 points at halftime, I'm like, oh, this is not. This is not enough. You got to be up by more than that. And like, then meanwhile, their running back, Jacobs, right, is his name. Mm-hmm. He had 150 yards running. They're four and one. Give the guy the rock. Let him right. run it. One right. yard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then hit a field goal and win the thing. And you decide to do a drop back and then the receivers crash into each other. Come on, man. That's just bad coaching. Yeah, yeah. But our show, Jesus, is not on the NFL today or the Kansas City Chiefs. It is right. on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. So just to kind of, a lot of moving parts. So let me just kind of walk through a quick little timeline to summarize it. For those people who may not be aware, and I'll do this succinctly, 
So back in April of this year, Elon Musk, you've heard of Elon Musk, right, Jesus? Yeah, heard of him. Okay, so back in uh, April of this year, Elon Musk does essentially issues a- That's the guy about the, the boring company, right? It that is. That guy? Yeah. Something yeah. about spaceships, cars, I don't know. So back in April, he decides to um, issue a takeover bid of Twitter uh, and basically offers a premium to the stock price, mm-hmm. $54 a share. The board of Twitter back and forth, but finally approves it. Um, then Elon starts doing his due diligence after the fact, right? <laughs> starts kind of like seeing whether or not this was a good investment after he's already offered to do it. Although in his defense, he says that he basically determines he doesn't want Twitter because he says that they, they lied to the SEC disclosing their bot count. And it's a lot more than 5%. So that's at least what he told the world. Then, of course, predictably, Twitter sues. Then Elon countersues. And a trial is set to begin on October 17th. That's the original docket date. At that point, or at some point, Elon and Twitter start to talk, right? And according to the latest articles, Musk wants to add um, a, a few contingencies to the deal. Um, like, for instance, that the, the, the deal is contingent on him receiving $13 billion in debt financing, even though the original contract didn't stipulate that. So Twitter isn't interested in doing it. Musk is also looking to reserve the rights to basically file a lawsuit against them afterwards. And they're not going for that. So they go back and forth. They get pretty close at $50 a share, Jesus. It's like an eight or three or $4 billion discount over the original deal because they actually were negotiating. But then now Twitter wants to include a bunch of stuff that Elon doesn't want to. Anyway... At some point in all this kind of fracas, the judge of the trial agrees to delay the start of the trial in order for them to continue to mediate, but only delay it by two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, on October 3rd, Musk basically applies public pressure by formally just reoffering to buy the company at the original price with the original deal. He's like, I don't want anything new. You don't get anything new. Let's just go forward with the original deal. And he's got until October 28th, according to the extension by the court, Mm -hmm. to close this deal or else he goes to trial. And if he does, he would probably be on the stand by November. So is that a fair recap of the timeline? Uh, of the timeline? Yes. Of the situation? No. Okay. What's the situation like? And uh, Because it, it, it paints the picture, which is what Elon wants to paint the picture, that the whole reason why he uh, changed his mind multiple times about this was about because of diligence. And it wasn't. It was because the market kind of crashed. All of the price of stock went down. And he just didn't want any part of it because he knew basically he was buying already a company at a massive premium, mm-hmm. which became even a bigger premium after the market crash. So I, I think that's the problem with this whole thing. The whole bot thing is just an excuse. Like it's mm-hmm. just a way to try to get out of it. And as you know, I've argued, I think the last time we talked about this, Twitter has such a strong case that they don't care. They're like, good luck, buddy. You said you skipped, you, know, you weren't going to do any diligence. Good luck. And so- the reason why it's coming back to the table is because he cannot just simply just just pay the fee to get out of the deal anymore. He's going to have to pay, even if they do agree to a dollar amount, it's going to be pretty close to whatever the original amount was. Right. And the price per share. Like, that's what this whole thing's all about. about. It's all about the, the, the money. I don't think it has anything to do with the boss. The boss is an excuse. I get that. But what? But why would he agree to pay more then? If they're close to a deal at 50 bucks and then it's $4 billion less than he offered, why would he go back and say, no, I'll just give you the original one? Because if it is about the money. If you're going to pay $50, mil, $50 billion on, no, it's not $50 billion. It's $50 a share. It, it was, no, the original deal is $54 a share. They right. almost so, did a deal at 50 yeah, just yeah, on the yeah. renegotiation. So, so, so the, the reason, for, the reason for the, to, uh, um, to pay for the whole thing is that, think about the breakup fee. The breakup fee is going to be something pretty close to the original price. Because if I'm Twitter, if I'm their board, I'm like, yeah, the breakup fee is the full amount that you're supposed to pay. 
Breakup fee is a billion dollars. Correct. There was never, he was never going to pay a billion dollars for it. Never. You know why? Because he has a, he struck a really dumb deal mm-hmm. that he did it on a whim, right? And if you're Twitter, I'd say, great, I'll hold you up to the, the, the terms that we agree on. That's why this was never going to be anything close to a billion dollars. It was going to be close to the actual purchasing price of, of the actual deal. And I think it gets to the point where it's so close to the purchasing price. And I do think that Elon Musk, I know we talked about that if it goes to trial, that Twitter may look bad. I don't think so, man. I think Elon looks bad in this whole situation because mm-hmm. it'll become pretty obvious pretty quickly. And there was a lot of text, text messages that came out that, it, that he was aware about the Twitter situation, the, the bot situation. It's not a new thing. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing like, oh, I was, I was shocked about the fact that it was bots and what the percentage was. Like, dude, you knew that was, a, that, was, that was part of the deal to begin with. You're a pretty smart guy. You chose not to do any, not to basically have any diligence in order for, you to, for the deal to come through. You were you were basically taunting the board of Twitter with this dollar amount that was more than what the, what the stock was worth. It was worth, yeah. They took you up on 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 that, and now you're trying to you're trying to regain on it because the stock went down because all of your stock went down. Yeah, Twitter stock went down. All of them went down. It was interesting. We look at the actual stock price of Twitter right now. It's trading at fifty dollars. That's that's kind of interesting. Why that would be trading? It's a premium over what it was. Well, was it, it, exactly, but it was still in the forty. And the reason it was in the forties is because it's being mm-hmm. held up because everyone sees the same situation. That Elon is kind of screwed on this one. He's going to pay some version of this, sure. whether he keeps the asset. I think now he just decided if I'm going to pay that much of a premium and I want to avoid going to trial, so your, then, your then point I might is, will just buy your, the thing. Your point is rather than pay a billion dollars just cash and end up with nothing, he's happy to pay. That an, was off another... the table is my, is my point. That was never going to going to happen because there is no breakup fee in the sense that Twitter's board is not at all incentivized to take the breakup fee. Why would they? He no, agreed but there, but, to a significant premium. Right. But there is, no, no, no. But there is a, we're calling it the wrong thing. It's not a breakup fee either. It's it's like a walk it's away a, it's fee. It's a penalty fee. Yeah, It's correct. a penalty fee. If correct. you decide to walk away from the deal, it's like a poison pill or whatever. If you correct. walk away from the deal. So that is part of the contract. Yeah, it's not something that Twitter can decide what they, that they want it or not. No, no, if he Charlie. walks away, no, no, he no. has to pay a billion dollars. No, no. Because that, that's, that's the whole thing. That's if they both agree. They don't both agree on this. Otherwise, he. Otherwise, there's why are they going to trial? They would simply say, "Just here's a billion dollars. I want to walk away." If it was as simple as what you're describing, Charlie, then he would just pay a billion dollars and get out of it. This whole thing wouldn't even Got wouldn't happen. Okay. Twitter's saying, "No, no, no, buddy, you're stuck with this thing. You wanted it. You wanted to pay a premium." So you're saying that the breakup like, thing has to be mutually agreed. Good luck with that. And then, of course, Elon is like, "Well, I'm going to sue you because there was all these bots that you disclosed. I was I didn't have all the information." And see what I'm saying? So the, that's how we got to this. But point. that's what you're saying, though, is that the that the it's uh, all about penalty the, fee needs to be mutually agreed to. Is what you're saying? Yeah. And I think yeah, see, I didn't know. Other that. than that, it's going to be then a you know whatever they negotiate the breakup fee would be. And if you're the Twitter board, you're like, yeah, my negotiated breakup fee is the price that you say you were, you were going to pay. The other part that, that that I just want to push back a little bit on is mm-hmm. the idea that you kind of characterize it as he didn't know about the bots and now he does. Come on, man. Of course he knew about the bots. Yes. I've never heard that. I've heard him say he knew about the bots, but the bots at a percentage, not four times what it is. In other words, the discrepancy between what the acceptable number of bots are and what a lot of these independent people and others have said it, it might likely be is the area of contention. Now, he could be lying, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, I've never heard him say, I didn't know there was bots, and now there is. Yeah, I think that when you when you start looking at, I think this is the reason why Elon does not want to go to trial, because I think what will come out, he was way more aware of the situation than what he's making it sound like he is. Because that would be potentially, because like, he's basically saying that they lied to the SEC when they, when they did filing, right? Yeah, that was his argument. more than five. Right. So, so Twitter is like, great, take us to court. Mm-hmm. No problem, mm-hmm. but you're going to pay the full amount, or and we're going to basically go to the, the I think it's called the Chancery Court, the right? Chancery Court, yeah, Chancery Delaware, Court. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
And as we're getting closer to it, all of a sudden Elon comes out and said, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm just going to buy the whole thing. Never mind. <laughs> Give some more time. I'll buy the whole thing. The only reason why Elon would do that is, is if he feels that he's going to lose this case mm-hmm. or doesn't want to look bad. It doesn't get, and I think the biggest issue here, to your point, is the whole bot situation. Is how aware was he actually of, of, of the fact that there was a certain percentage of bots that were here and it didn't matter to him. Otherwise, he would have added that kind of, of diligence. In of the, language into the original I mean, contract. If, you, if yeah. you were buying a house and you say, hey, there may be termites. Well, what's the percentage of termites? It's 5%. It turns out it's like 40%, but you're like, I knew there was termites, but I didn't think it was that much termites. So therefore, I'm going to re- re- you know renege on the deal. Like, no, 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 you were aware and you should have asked as part of your deal. I want to actually do a, or a not, study on or the Or not house. even ask. You should have just said a contingency, a contingency is, to the deal yeah. is that we're going to do a check to see what percentage of termites actually are in sure. the house. That, that's what I mean by that. It's like you were aware, even if the percentage were different, the fact that you agreed to move forward with this thing without having any kind of contingency to, to see what, what was actually happening there. I think that's the reason why. He's in a situation that, that, that he's in right now. With respect to the text that you mentioned, that is part of a trove of hundreds yeah. of personal text messages that have become public as part of the whole court process of yeah. discovery, et cetera. And it reveals negotiations with business contacts, with friends, blah, blah, blah. Even, uh, you know, tweets from his ex-wife. And it shows a lot of the, maybe not motivation, but it gives you a glimpse into what it's like to be a guy like this to get these sort of texts from a lot of people, random, some people you might expect like captains of industry or whatever. And other times just like personal friends. One of them that I read that I thought was interesting was from his ex-wife. Did you read this one? And she basically says- From, this from is, Elon's ex-wife? Mm-hmm, uh-huh. one of, yeah, Elon's ex-wife. And she says, this is earlier in the process. She says, can you buy Twitter and then delete it, please? So she says, and signs it like hearts and kisses. America is going insane. The Babylon Bee got suspended. It's crazy. Why has everyone become so puritanical? Or can you buy Twitter and make it radically free speech? So much stupidity comes yeah. from Twitter. And I, and I think that's what people that are obviously excited to see Elon um, buy this thing. I mean, there was I was I was listening to an episode of um, Pivot, and they were talking about this, and they were mm. talking about the text messages that came through, and the people that were offering him billions of dollars over text message to Elon to buy this thing that want to be, want to be in the deal. Yeah. Right. And A, I'm thinking it's part of association with Elon and B is like, there's, I think people are very, some people are very passionate about what they feel Twitter is or isn't, et cetera. And what it should be. Now, are you going to pay that much money to then turn around and then delete a company? I guess super baller move. If if you want to do do that. that. (laughs) Right. But, uh, but it is interesting. I think there's a lot of parties that are, vested in what happens here. And I think there's two different things. There's the actual deal itself, right? And then, then there's the what should happen with Twitter after the fact. And no matter what, how, no matter who stays with it, no matter what happens, they're like, because Twitter as it is right now, it's a business that kind of has failed, right? It never really, it's never really made money. It's kind of struggled, even though it's used by a lot of Everywhere, people. And yeah. it's very, it has a bunch of reasons why it's controversial for a number of reasons. Um, and you have like really opposing views as to how this platform should be, should be utilized. And, um, you know, to some extent, the, the argument could definitely be made that maybe Elon is exactly the kind of person that should be taking on Twitter and completely rethink it, what well, it should be. But that's different to me than the actual deal itself. Yeah. So my take on this is that this deal, probably the original deal ends up going through and that they're going to hit this uh, end of the month deadline. I think it's pretty likely, yeah. Right? That'd be uh, my guess. So the most, the more important question to me is what actually happens with this app? Now, I don't know if you saw the pitch deck that Musk put together for the investors. 
I had, no, I did not see that. It's no. actually really fascinating. But, and just to give you a sense of what you said, right, this app is used all over the world, but it really hasn't made money. And of course, this is all relative terms, right? It hasn't made money for its size and cost, et cetera. Right. It obviously has made money. Um, but Musk basically pitched investors that he would quintuple Twitter's annual revenue to $26.5 billion by 2028 mm-hmm. in the next five years. And that's based on subscriptions? Well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to that. And, mm-hmm. and attract 931 million users by that same year, which would be up from 217 million today. So like basically, yeah, almost five times the users, frankly. Um, and so he's making a, a very, very big pitch. And, you know, this is where what will he do comes into play. And I have some things that I've read, but I'm also interested in your thoughts of mm-hmm. what you think he's going to do. Um, but one of the things that everybody seems to agree on is some or radical, some to radical loosening of content moderation rules. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that you hear about a lot. You know, replatforming, deplatform people, right? Um, Do you think that really is a problem with Twitter, though? I feel like that's one of those things that is makes tons I think of de- noise about, yeah. but I don't know how much ma- how much it actually matters. It depends what you think Twitter is. Do you believe it is the public square? No, no, no. I don't mean by that. Is do you think that's actually a reason? Are one of the core reasons why Twitter hasn't had more success or is it a more viable business? Because I can make the argument for all those people that have been the platform and go somewhere else and look at the other versions of, of these platforms that are supposed to be solutions that they actually are not that successful either. So I, I do question like this is feels like one of those where it's a great soundbite to yeah. say, but is it at the end of the day? It's like when people are saying, you know, we were talking about Disney. Oh, people are like, oh, Disney's going woke and Disney's crushing it. Like, yeah, they're having their same hit as everyone else right now in the market and all that. But Disney Plus has crushed it as an OTC. It surpassed Netflix. Like, they're doing all these great things that at the end of the day, people may throw a little ramp, but it's like, it's still such a good product, what right. they're putting out, that I don't think it stops that many people from going to watch a Marvel movie. Yeah, I think there's two things here. Right, I think, and, and mm-hmm. I'm almost thinking, is there a counter sort of version of this with, with Twitter? But I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just simply like, when I hear that kind of comment, it's like, I don't well, know. Because you're, you're answering or asking a different question than the one I was answering. So the question you're asking is, what's wrong with the business? Yeah. The, the answer I was giving was, um, how do you turn this into the true potential of what the vision of the product is? So what's wrong with the business? I couldn't tell you. One of the things, well, like I can guess. Mm-hmm. Some of it is um, an over-reliance on advertising as a sole source of revenue. Yeah. Right? I mean, and you're already in a pretty contentious environment. Not every advertiser wants to show up everywhere. Digital advertising has been hamstring. Really, digital advertising has been growing, but, incre- but also fragmenting at the same time. Like now there's audio, now there's, you know, CTV. There's like all these different ways to spend yeah, money. And the people that are sucking the majority of that, of that revenue three are people. Google, Facebook, or Amazon. That's right. Three, three people. That's the it. Triopoly. Right. So, so in a way, it's kind of been a weird business or a bad business if you're a scale player and you're not one of those three. Right. So that's one of the reasons. Then I get out of my depth pretty quickly in terms of what the product uh, could be. Right. Or what, why is the product? So I don't, I'm not a big user mm-hmm. of Twitter. So I don't know like what its reason for being is other the nearest I can think of. It's kind of like the what's happening now thing. Mm-hmm. That's basically their value prop, right? Yeah. Okay. So in that world, it's very newsy. Uh, again, you've got a sort of single revenue stream or very dependent revenue stream. That's a problem. I think on some level, the content moderation issues or those things, 
speak to more about this vision. Like if you believe, and that's why I asked you, if you believe that Twitter is the public square or can be, then yeah, I think addressing that on some level, whatever you address it, is part of moving forward. I don't know that it solves the business problem. Yeah, the the challenge with the public square, so that's kind of how Twitter started, right? Twitter was initially uh, chronological in terms of uh, its posts. I remember like way back in the day when it first came out. But that's what it was. It's whoever tweeted next, you would basically, that was it, that was it right? Yeah. And it was a pretty crappy experience, mm. right? Because it, you will get something you may find interesting, turn around, come back, gone. Good luck finding it. Because just think about all the people that are coming in and they're putting. And sure. So th- to that point about the, the public square, I think part of the question becomes is maybe it's not about a public square, but about public squares mm. and having the ability more to be part of micro communities that where there are pretty open and what people are actually having a conversation about that. I could, I could basically, I could follow that logic probably a lot better, right? Maybe something a little closer to discord where there are different channels and you have this different communities. I think that's different. The second you start talking about creating content for everyone, it becomes really complicated in terms of who really should get the, whether it's a microsecond on the, in the light, the shining light, or get like, you know, big, you know, beam on, on what they're doing. More and more and more and more, I see Twitter being like a platform that is so driven by bigger personalities, by who has those blue check marks or the people that, that people are really following. And from that perspective, I do see the argument and why people say, well, if the if the success of this platform is really more about following these thought leaders, I'm not, I'm not adding a positive or negative concept of what those th- that thought may be, but people that are of importance, right? Whatever kind of way, then I could totally see the argument of saying you're going to pay for it. Yeah, if you make some more subscription based, that makes kind of more sense. I think that's the way he's and, leaning, and that and that would also address some of your. Frankly, it could address some of the issues with censorship because part of the censorship does come probably from the pressure that they feel like they need to make it somewhat brand safe. And there is the reality of some, there's stuff that people are going to put up on the platform that is not going to be brand safe and that needs to get addressed. Mm-hmm. Right. The way that YouTube handles is they demonetize that. Right. They, but because they're incentivizing the creator to put content in, right. Maybe that could be another way to think about this. It's like, okay, you as a creator, if you put something here and it basically sparks a type of conversation that does not allow us to monetize that interaction, then you get penalized in terms of your ability to monetize from being mm. in this platform. That's an interesting angle as well. Now, you could make that same argument that YouTube has done all the censorship. The reality is YouTube is, is kind of beginning to wait there for a while. And they begin to wait for at least for two things. One is YouTube for a very long time has been seen as a platform that radicalizes people, right? Because of its algorithm, right? It's like you go down wormholes. Also, YouTube for a long time has, de- has struggled with and dealt with the whole thing around censorship and then what gets demonetized, right? Yeah. Like people say like, oh, YouTube didn't like my content, so they just stop on the decision. I think I, just at this point, Facebook and Twitter are getting so much attention that people have kind of forgotten a little bit about, and TikTok, of course, is getting so much attention. Maybe TikTok more than, than the, their yeah, own else. YouTube is kind that of YouTube like, like kind of coasting, like, I'm just going to go ahead and just- We just make videos. Keep on doing our thing. But they have the same kind of dynamic. And the way that they solve for it is by trying to create incentives- at the creator level, right? So you could mm-hmm. go that route. You can create incentives at the creator level, right? In terms of like helping them monetize or not, right? And you say, hey, if you if you cross this kind of, you know, guidelines, it's not like we're not going to, and of course they also take channels down on that. But let's just say, we're not going to take down your content, but you're, we're not, you're just not going to be able to monetize. You're not going to make money. And and that that's one way to handle it, right? The other route would be is like, you go the subscription route. It's like, hey, you get your own fan subscribe. And now you have these micro communities in there. Maybe within those micro communities, they become a little bit more, garden walls within well, where a little bit more goes. self-moderates on some level too. To some extent, right? Or you go more of the, um, 
uh, Discord route. We're like, hey, we're going to like really lean into now really, really, really separate uh, town halls to your point, right? Mm-hmm. The whole town hall analogy. Because doing this at scale one town, it's just, I just don't think it works. Yeah. I it's think just it's, too much volume of, of content. I think it's, um, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think in a way it's kind of sad that everything goes to the bigger influencer, the bigger talent. You see it in every scenario, right? Um, yeah. In fact, I just read an article about audio, about podcasting. And it was, I forget what, it was a Vox article or something. Basically saying podcasting is dead. Like again, podcast, no, it was said podcasting is now radio again. Yeah. Right. Because it is about just, you know, the bigger star, this idea of like coming up with a really interesting show and doing a good voice and something picking up. It it just, you can't do it anymore because now, you know, all the, the, the big names have flooded in and that's what people care about. And ultimately you've, you've taken this potential opportunity to make something really special and kill it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of sad. The other thing that you brought up, which I'm curious about your thoughts on is one thing that's not addressed in this whole content moderation conversation is to what degree Twitter is influencing other mainstream news as a source. In other words, the idea that reporters, journalists, TV producers, everybody is using Twitter as a source to find out what's trending and therefore just amplifying and magnifying all of that. I think, yeah, that's actually really good. That's a really good point. Cause I do think that especially for people that are very newsy or in that, in that world, I think Twitter is their go-to platform for everything. It's like the library for them. Uh, You get a lot of that. Um, so that is interesting. So when those, if if there's those conservative voices that are on Twitter, feel like they're like that's not their home. Where are they going? And once again, I, I go back to like, are any of those platforms having success? I mean, one of the parts that's really interesting here is that if Elon does acquire, uh, does acquire Twitter, and then tells next day tells Trump, "Hey, you're back in." What happens to True Social? Is it like dead on the spot? It's already struggling. It's, it's already struggling. It's not good news for him, for sure. Um, right? I mean, at that point, it's like, what is the the argument for even having it? At that point, probably not. It really like, has You need the boogeyman of yeah. Twitter in order for it to even have a, a, like a reason for it to exist, right? To exist, yeah. And your initial prognostication has come true, at least to date, that um, Truth Social has become a bit of a right-wing echo chamber. Of course, yeah. But not for the reasons that you thought. You were, t- you were saying you were, they were going to keep off the antagonistic voices or progressive voices, the reality is none of them have really joined. That's yeah. the, that's the issue. There was some, uh, I, had, I had read or heard someone talk about this, that they were actually censoring someone that was talking about the, the, the election being stolen or not being stolen. I don't know how prevalent that is in terms of, so you can't, big... you, you can't say it wasn't stolen on truth social. You have to no. say it was. Yeah. yeah. Some, there was someone making the case of that and they were like, Nope, not yeah. here, buddy. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's some of that. And I think that's the, that's the challenge is that, it's also just not not that relevant, right? But now, what what is interesting? This is another another thought that I that I heard recently, which I thought was really interesting, is that in the case of whenever you have these voices that get tampered down, that get censored, then they go somewhere else, right? And in some of those cases, there is actually a lot of success that happens. And I think one of those places is actually the podcast world. So um, the same uh, podcast pivot was talking about the co-host uh, Sarah Swisher, Kara, Kara Swisher. Thank you. She just mm-hmm. launched a new, a new, a new show, right? And it turns and it like within that category became like number one, right? But like every other podcast after her were all conservative, right? And what was interesting when they were talking about, it, they're like, "Oh, you're like the one liberal, right?" Because she's like gay and all this, right? She's like the one liberal podcast, and they're all conservative after that. Dan Shapiro and like all those, right? Ben. Ben Shapiro, sorry, mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro and all those, right? Um, and, and one of the, the arguments she was making, which I thought was really interesting, like, yeah, but I think part of that came from the fact that for a while there, 
many of these conservative voices just didn't really have a home in traditional media and and what what they call it in um, mainstream media in mainstream media, right? So people started finding homes for like their voices in other places that were less crowded, like in sure. podcasts. And yeah. so you had this like shift in podcast in, in personalities and when and what they were doing. And that started actually in radio because if you remember before, like some of the most popular radio voices were, were very like Rush Limbaugh, like very conservative voices, right? So it started there. And uh, so in a place like podcasts, you do have this like concentration, Pockets. yeah, of of like very very popular um, conservative voices that are, that are there. Mm. So the the other thing that um, Musk is talking about what he would do, right? So we've talked about loosening content moderation rules, whatever that means, unwinding permanent bans, except for spam accounts and those that explicitly advocate for violence. The other thing that I thought was interesting, which I had not heard, was that he's got in mind something like an app X. Have you heard this? Yeah, that was his original company, I think, that he sold, right? Which is the, this idea of an all-in-one um, app, kind of like they do in China with we WeChat, right? Where is basically you have one subscriber base one and an super inc- app, yeah. one super app that basically does everything all together. Um, and his his thought is, and this is actually a quote from him. It says the Twitter the acquisition would probably accelerate X um, by uh, three to five years in terms of its development. So. At least based on what he said, it seems like those are some of the things that he has in mind that he would do post-acquisition. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think the people I should be most worried about would be uh, Facebook and Amazon. Because in my mind, they're the ones that are closest to that, right? Yeah, with Marketplace and video and... Yeah, stories, There's a lot that is there. I mean, think about... Messenger. Yeah. I mean, uh, Amazon has kind of stayed out some of the more social stuff, but they have a pretty legit ecosystem, right? And commerce being such a big driver. They have commerce, they're doing payments, they're doing, they're getting into health, right? So they are really starting to fill in all of the services part of the equation around one platform. Uh, in my mind, they're the ones that are the really the, the big behemoth, right, mm. over, over everyone else. What do you think um, happens if he does acquire it? Do you think the things I've just rattled off are posturing, positioning, or do you think that they're real the, inclinations? The thing about increasing the number of users, honestly, like, we'll see. Um, whether or not that actually happens. I have doubts that by changing the censorship, whether that really is the reason why, like, you know, you get a lot more accounts, maybe, right? Um, I think the other thing uh, that is really interesting is that is, uh, but I do think the subscription model, I think it'd be really interesting for for what it can do for Twitter, right? In terms of really changing the model there and, and really helping to monetize and being less. And I think by doing that, once again, I think it can create an opportunity to not be as relying on advertising, which I think then creates an opportunity to not have to be as concerned with brand safety, which mm. I do think is one of the drivers for a lot of these brands is that when something happens of controversy, you kind of got to keep those both of those parties happy, the consumers, and then also the, the, the sponsors that are, you know, influencing a lot of their decision-making. And, no, and, you know, you've heard Elon, I mean, he's very anti-advertising. Well, uh, yeah, least, I mean, and that's, I get it. And so not unusual for a lot of these investor types too. There's I'm not knocking few for that. people like, yeah, who that's, love advertising. I, I, I it's get kind it. of a terrible business. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I, I think that to me is probably the most interesting part of what he does. Like, listen, I'm all for it. Like he should buy it. We should do a show on just the advertising business. He, yeah, I know. It's all around the horn. It's just not a good business. I'm telling you, there's a lot of money in there. Yeah, there is. It's like this giant crapshoot you know what i mean where you can end up highly highly inefficient and even the people winning are like winning but under serious duress like it's a stressful business to be in i mean the but the the going back to the censorship censorship thing what becomes complicated is when you really do want to have a platform that is complete or as complete as you can be with free speech Mm. 
outside of like breaking any laws, like then what do you do? I mean, part of the reason we want to talk about like, what do you do with a Kanye? What do you do with a Kanye? Like, you know, he, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard at this point how this kind of all came to be, but I did a, a big interview with Tucker Carlson, kind of talked about a lot of stuff to do with he, kind of his positioning. That came because at a, was it a fashion event? That, yeah, in, in Paris. In at Paris, a, at like he, the fashion week he showed up with, uh, what's, what's the name of the, of the woman? that Candace is, Owens. Candace Owens, who was a very popular. Literally African, my role on this show is just to remind you people's names. Yeah. I, I, I mean, but by the way, to be fair, this applies to not just like conservative hosts, everyone. Like, I just reminded I'm, you who Kara Swisher was. She's not a conservative. Worst, the worst when it comes to names. <laughs> But I'm great with faces, yeah. so that's my okay. I go back. So yeah, so he was at a parish uh, runway show with Candace Owens, and he wore. Well, actually, they both wore uh-huh. a white White Lives Matter White Lives Matter shirt, right? Um, and of course, that got exactly what's going to happen. A lot of reaction. A lot of people, you know, basically had their you know their POV. Uh, and then this has kind of then went into like a whole back and forth between him and P Diddy. P Diddy was getting interviewed about him, and I thought his interview he was being. He wasn't like aggressively talking smack about Kanye. He just wasn't like he's not for what what he what he what he's what he's saying there. And he you know, talked about him being like, you know, someone they supported for a long time, blah, 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 but he's just not not cool with that, you mm-hmm. know. But he doesn't. He was perfect. Actually, as a matter of fact, I remember him saying that he doesn't think he should be canceled. It's not like a thing where like we should ban the guy. Like no, like I just don't agree with, with what he's saying. That then turns into a back back and forth conversation. I guess they call. He called them, and there was some text message. And Kanye being quiet, Kanye decided like, no, this has to not stay private, which is what. P. Diddy did, called them. No, I'm going to share it with the world. Yeah. So he puts all of their stuff out in the world. And then this immediately turns into like basically him accusing Pity that the, is the Jews that are basically the ones that are trying to convince him to cancel him, shut him down. And then he puts like anti-Semitic messaging and he immediately gets, you know, at the t- same t- taken off the platform from at, Instagram, yeah. from Facebook. And then Twitter later on. At the same time, like parallel to that story, he's calling out Mark Zuckerberg for having taken him off of Instagram on Twitter. And Elon goes, welcome back to Twitter. Because yeah. he hadn't tweeted in a long time, apparently. He hadn't. So there's a lot of like, uh, you know, activity with him. But he's off of Twitter as well right now, right? That, I, I don't know. I thought he was. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I, yeah. would, I would assume so. It's suspended anyway. I don't know. Yeah, if yeah suspended. Suspended. Deplatformed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what do you do with it? Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the garden wall that Musk is proposing is one where there's explicit advocation of violence, right? So you could define that in that way, I suppose. When you say you're going to go death con three on Jewish people. And he says death con, by the way, not def con, which he sh- I, I don't know if that's a misspelling or he just doesn't know that it actually is deaf with an F. I, I don't know. All Frank. I know is that when you say you're going to go death con three on Jewish people, yeah, you don't. You what, kind of what, leave what that you, hanging. What That's do you What do you do with that? Like, is that not sound kind of like a threat? Yeah, I, I think that. Well, especially with the word death. Now, would you feel differently if he said DEFCON three? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could give him a little bit more of a more pass, leeway. more yeah. leeway. But just, I mean, it, all it, it could do is take for what the guy says, and it's. Um, yeah, it's not good. It's clearly, you know, even at DEFCON with an F, it's completely inappropriate and unadvisable, and it, sure. it doesn't. You can't defend it by saying. I'm an eccentric genius, right? There's a, there's a line to where you can't go beyond that. Um, and, you know, making it death, as in T-H instead of F, there, there was makes lot, it even there worse. There was a lot of tap dancing going on because people got super excited about, you know, uh, Kanye going on Tucker. Sure. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, the poster boy of the of the and conservative side. And then like, side, and then like it oh, back in. Reel it back in when he starts going nuts. Reel it back in. But like, that's a perfect example to like, well, how much do we want to have complete? Like, not maybe not entirely complete, but you can even say that that's, 
He's saying it, but that could be an expression that is misspelled. You could give him, if you really want to push hard on giving him the sure. benefit of the doubt, you could. Yeah. But is that the kind of thing that everyone's okay with? Yeah. This goes to the fundamental questions of like, what are these platforms for? If you believe that this platform should be this sort of public square, then it really can't be a private company. I mean, that's my perspective on it. If you went out to the middle of the street right now, out in front of the, this studio, and yelled DEFCON or DEFCON to the Jews, you're not going to get arrested for that. I think you could get arrested for that. If someone, if someone calls, if you're if you're no. saying this and there's Jewish Maybe people in LA. around. Maybe in LA. And Jewish people aren't saying, this person is, is, is out threatening people. But that's the thing. So your interpretation is automatically that it's violence. What if the person's just out there? Death con three, Charlie. If somebody if, went if out saying, and said, I want to give hugs to everyone, like, okay, fine, you're giving hugs. If somebody went out in front Aggressive of the Aggressive hugs. Yeah, fine. no, 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 I get it. But I'm saying if somebody went out in front of the studio and said, um, you know, uh, I'm going to go DEF CON 3 with mm-hmm. an F. I'm going to go DEF CON 3 on Jesus and his family. Mm-hmm. You're, you're saying that. If someone, that yeah, person I think can that be could arrested be, right now. That could be interpreted as a threat. Of course. Yeah. See, I, I If dis- someone goes out and yells that outside of your house, they're yelling that outside of your house. You could call the police, say, this person is threatening my family. He but just said he's going to go death country. That kind of stuff happens all the time with protesters showing up in front of the Supreme Court, justices, with signs that's like somebody actually tried to kill one of them and they didn't get arrested. And that's like I, a I'm federal saying, judge. But Charlie... So, okay, I got you. That's, this is a what about argument you're giving me, right? Just because that happens doesn't mean that that's no. not something that wouldn't cause for someone to get arrested. I'm telling right? you that the, that, the, that, the, that the laws on free speech are pretty clear that not all speech is, is, um, is there's a certain speech that's abrogated when you get to a certain level. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. Right. I'm going to go do whatever. Uh, th- this theater's on fire. Everybody run and, and, you know, we all trample each other as we run out. Those are the exceptions to the rule. Right. So, but so saying my argument, really distasteful, ugly, yeah. vile things so are the, not. This is why this is an interesting one. Because when you say, I'm going to go death con three on Jewish people, that is a, not a stretch to say that you are planning to do harm, bodily harm on Jewish people. Mm-hmm. It just, it just isn't like. It can be interpreted a bunch of different ways. We give them tons of benefit. To your point, maybe in some scenarios, people may not be like, no, he didn't really mean it. It was, he meant something else. But you could also be interpreted as, yeah, this guy is saying that he's going to go cause bodily harm on Jewish people. Like, that's my point. Like, this is, a, a to me, a perfect example of someone is saying something that is meant to, like, or can be very easily interpreted by a lot of people, by reasonable people, to be not just those that have, like, a very liberal lean on this, as wanting to cause bodily harm on a group of people. Mm-hmm. So then why shouldn't this case he be like, ban- well, not banned, suspended, whatever might be the case. Like, why shouldn't action be taken? And just because to your point, someone has done something similar to a judge and didn't get arrested in a specific protest, that doesn't mean it makes it okay in a case of a, of a, of a platform. Right, but we're mixing things up. We, you said what should happen to him on Twitter, and then we started talking about free speech. Those are different things. I don't think he should be arrested for saying what he said. And you're, you're suggesting that maybe he should be arrested for what he said. I think if he did that outside of us, like of a, of a, of a synagogue uh, and said that, I think that the likelihood of him getting arrested are pretty high. Maybe he gets released immediately and no charges are good, good press. But I think that sounds close enough to me of trying to like put a threat on, on a group of people that, it's, I think it's something you, you can act on. Now, to your point, you go say it outside, no one's around or people are like, what the hell is this fucking crazy dude? Like, right. sure, the odds of someone doing something with it, you sure? Yeah. Maybe, maybe are pretty, are pretty slim, but it's, it's pretty close to, if not a direct threat. The little that I know about this subject, and it is little, is that the free speech, um, you know, interpretations have been 
they generally side on the side of broadness mm-hmm. unless, you know, these threats are explicit and then they fall into a different category, right? Which is whatever, or even a category like slander or defamation or sure. other things, right? But the question of what happens to somebody on these platforms, it, you know, I think that suspending him is the appropriate action for, for, for that based on the rules that we have today. Because the rules that we have today are you have all these community standards. They all vary by platform. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a different point of view. And it's entirely subjective based on the editorial guidelines of each given platform. So it doesn't even matter what I think. If they think that that's inappropriate for their platform, they should suspend them. Right. I mean, what, what do you do moving forward if you go into this public square mode? Well, that, well, that's, that's where. I, well, that's my point is like, in the, and I think this is the way you have two different thoughts, right? <laughs> where someone will read this and say, oh, no, it's more of like an expression. This is not a direct threat. So therefore, it should be allowed on the current, you know, uh, free speech, right? I think for others, they see this, they hear them like, no, no, this is pretty much as direct threat as it could be. Like, what else does he have to say at this point? I'm going to go full rampage, shooting rampage on on Jewish people? Oh, it's just, it's just an expression. I was just simply saying that I'm going to be like talking a lot of shit. Right. Well, wait a minute. Like, mm-hmm. now there's levels to this thing, but it's not like you're saying a statement in in general about about people, and it's just that. No, you're you're saying that you're going to take action on, and an action that it sounds pretty close to bodily harm action on a group of people. Yeah. So that's why, to me, the argument that this is just free speech. Well, well how? Yeah. And by the way, I'm not saying, saying, saying it's free speech. But I, know, I think yeah. a lot of people are making that argument. Is, yeah. is the point that I'm making, right? But but like, then it goes to like, how much more specific does he have to get here? And maybe to the point of like, no, it has to be so specific at this time using this to this specific person. Yeah. Not I think, a group of people. Okay. I don't know, but I can imagine legally some of it might have to do with actually the specificity of the threat. Like who's the threat to? Like if you said, I'm going, I'm going to go DEF CON on, uh, you know, iron workers or on, uh, you know, male, male people. Right. Or whatever. Does that rise to the same level as yeah, I'm going to go DEF CON on I, Jesus Chavez? I think it doesn't in the sense that when you have a group or a, a, or a person, is probably the easiest one, right? Because you're talking about a the person, person. a specific person. But when you talk about a group and a group that has historically been targeted because of their ethnicity and you're making a, that case against that group, it's very different than saying against plumbers. Because mm. plumbers in general, while we may or may not like their prices, is not usually a targeted group. Right, that has his history of getting targeted by people. In this case, Jewish people are, and I think you need to take that take that into account. And that's very true and very logical. I just don't know what bearing that has on the law. Is what I'm saying. I don't know if the law looks. Yeah, at, I, at I it think that it's way. the yeah. My, so my like point if you're in is this group, it is isn't. The, if you're in this group, it isn't. In the going to how specific this is, I think that's what makes it more specific. When you're a group that normally gets or has been targeted multiple times, where that's specific enough. Mm. As opposed to saying someone that is clearly they can make a case, you know, but you know to bring a you know to bring a lawsuit it doesn't take a lot in this country, yeah, so it's yeah, kind of yeah. hard to say. But but, but um, it goes back to the point. So in, from your perspective, Charlie, how would you handle this? How would you if you were responsible if you were handling Twitter right now? How would you handle it? The, the I, mean, I, I already said I said he should be suspended. It's a clear violation of our editorial guidelines, and it's as simple as that. And you, if you let him back on, that's, I guess, uh, some and cool this, down period. You think that would apply even if in the situation where Twitter was more, much more of a town hall? I think or th- town square, I'm sorry. I think then you have to default to the law, right? And that's where I'm not expert enough to speak to it. If the law says somebody's saying, I'm going to go DEF CON on Jewish people. If I said that at Ralph's supermarket, do I get, you know, cuffed and stuffed and but if that's what happens, and I don't know, I don't, I mean, I don't think so, but if that's what happens, that's the same that should apply. 
here. Hmm. If it does go public square. What about in a case if it's a public square and you start getting these, these subgroups and one group is called Death Country on Jewish people and it's just people that are just hating on Jewish people? Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think because I think that's that's the that's the tricky part about the situation, right? It is. is that I, think, I think I think it's despicable, but it all goes to the idea of what you think free speech is. Is it is it your right to you know to 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 hear or your right to hear things you agree with or your right to hear things you disagree with? What's your philosophical perspective on what it is? The reason that it is free, to my mind, is precisely because it gov- it, it allows for things you're not going to like or that are going to be distasteful or ugly. I mean, I wish none of this stuff happened, but I'm just saying that it's kind of hard to say that you are free speech if you cl- you classify that strictly on the basis of things that are not offensive to you. In yeah. other words, it has to be things that are offensive to you, but don't you that, think that that's, makes that... I mean, the challenge with that argument, I think, is that it paints this picture all around the issue of whether or not someone wants to hear things like earmuffs, right? Whether I want to hear this or not. And whether it makes me like just, eh, I don't like, I just don't like hearing this. And if it simply was just a matter of that, I think it would be a very different conversation. I think the challenge, for especially for people that are, that are more aggressive and wanting to censor and wanting to like take people off deep platform, you want to call it, is that they're making a case that there's a much closer correlation, connection, a more, more linear connection between that speech and actual harm. Right. Right. And I think the, the problem with something like this specific t- statement, and even I will say even a, a group that would be called that, is that you can start drawing a line pretty quickly, probably pretty clearly between those conversations and then actual harm that, that happens. With people. So I guess back to you. And the question maybe is like, as long as harm doesn't actually happen, then we shouldn't care. Well, but yeah, but then you're you're living on a knife's edge every moment because something may happen. Yeah. But why would you be opposed to letting the existing laws govern that? Why, why does that bother you? Uh, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Um, I, I'm more from the, but I think the, the, the challenge here is that when we're talking about a platform that has the ability to be able to create, to publish, to program different messaging, either broader or less, then there is a bunch of editorial decisions need to be made about what content should or shouldn't be. That's why I've never been from the from the from the perspective of like this is just a, from a town, like a town square. I just think that actually I just don't think that's a, that's a good analogy for what we're talking about because the closest I could think about the town square would be one where everything kind of has the same kind of weight. And once again, that's how Twitter started. It was terrible. Like you just you just get buried in crap because there's so much stuff coming on. So there there has to be some way to curate that, mm. some way to be able to start bubbling up. And even if you curate and say, hey, I only want to listen to or look at things that are relevant to me, my topics, and these are my topics. Even within that, there's so much crap even with that. That yeah. is, there has to be some decision. So I still go back to the point, then why wouldn't, I mean, from my perspective, why wouldn't a platform have the ability or should have the ability to say, hey, this one is like pretty non-controversial, feel pretty good about, about giving this extra light if, if it needs it. This one's a little bit questionable. I don't know if I'm going to, maybe I don't take it off, but I kind of leave it there and just whatever, whatever it kind of uh, does. Like, but even that will be an, an a, will be a problem for a lot of people that are in this free speech camp that will think, well, but if you do that, then you're giving weight more, more weight to get more audience against other messages, not the ones that I care about. Right. But I mean, but I think that that's an important consideration is who is doing the moderation issues. We looked at, you know, the makeup of Twitter. It's a, ideological monolith it's there's no diversity of thought or opinion in that organization so i don't feel comfortable with those ideological monoliths no matter where they are so like and if that's governing the conversation i mean as reasonable as what you just described sounds 
I would still have a challenge with that. Yeah. And I think that's why you have other platforms that have launched and they haven't just gotten the traction. So is it a lack of talent? Is it a lack of Probably. investment? Is it a lack of interest from audiences? Is it really, we're talking about like a really small percentage of people that really want to see this kind of content, but they're just happening to be very noisy. That by the way, they're already being pretty successful in terms of the platform that they already are in. We talked about this. The most successful YouTube channels tend to be more conservative. The most successful podcasts tend to be conservative. Like it's so interesting in all this world of moderation and censorship. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does happen. I'm simply saying that some of the people that get the most audience and most engagement are people that are creating that kind of content. And that is true. But I go back to the same thing I've said before. You have more audience in single places, but you have a thousand more options on the other side with smaller audiences. In other words, you've sure. got one Fox News and 6,000 things that are opposed to Fox News. So which one do you sure. prefer? Be the dominant king in one side and have there only be one? Or have the, a, a ton more conversation spread out around 6,000 different areas. I think if you're Fox News, you prefer the, you the prefer former. You prefer to be number one. You prefer to be number one. Absolutely. Have, have Kanye on more often. Um, By the way, I also saw a piece. I haven't seen the, the videos, but I uh -huh. saw a bunch of um, articles claiming uh, to show the clips that were cut from that um, Kanye and uh, Tucker Carlson interview. Because there... apparently, well, they were, I didn't see the videos, but they were suggesting that Kanye said a bunch of crazy stuff on that show too. What, what's your take about Con uh, on Kanye? I think that he's somebody who is got some woundedness, has some issues, um, might have, you know, the, the issues that have been talked about before with whether it's, you know, a, uh, some kind of chemical imbalance or something. And, you know, people who are in that kind of seesaw of mania and depression, when they're in their manic stage, they kind of go off and say a lot of things that normally we might, you know, on some level, we might hear crazy things and just be able to filter them. And they lose the ability to kind of filter, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's amplified by the fact that he is in this artistic genre and that he's a very, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's intelligent, but he's, a, he's, a, he's very gifted in a lot of areas. And that can be warped when you're in that, in that kind of, you know, situation. Yeah. So, um, so I, I feel for him. I think he's going through a lot of stuff. And I think that people need to, that are close to him should like look after him. And when you get to that level of, you know, kind of power, honestly, a lot of people who are your closest entourages, they won't tell you stuff. You know what I mean? They kind of let he, you do what you do. He, I think, and that's not yeah. good. It's, it's really, it's sad with him, man. I, I don't think he has anyone in his life. To check him. Yeah, to give him the balance. I think it was, it used to be his mom and his mom, it's just, you know, she passed away. Yeah. And uh, I think that was detrimental to him. Because he should he know that, that, right? And he says he's a Christian and all this other stuff. He should know that we don't do that. You, you don't do that. It's I just, mean, uh, but he needs that, man, he needs that. Man. And I think the, the part that I that I find that does bother me is how many how many people try to like, uh, like almost encourage that from him, I feel like. Even this whole thing right now with doing this interview, like people are like, oh, I mean, like, oh, see, he's a great example. Like, I don't think nothing's wrong with him. He's not very smart. Like, dude, he has like some real problems. I'm mm -hmm. not saying he, he's a smart guy. He's super talented. He's one of the most talented artists I think that we've ever had. But he has some of real issues he that he's actually working through. And what, what I get concerned with is like, like those kind of situations rarely end well. And I think of, frankly, like, you know, I told you that one of my, like, person that I really admired from a business sense was Tony Shea, right? Who was the CEO of Zappos, right? Um, and I got a chance to meet him once, uh, which was great. And it just, I love what he did in terms of rethinking corporate culture. I love what he did with Zappos, yeah. right? And uh, it was one of my favorite books to read, Delivering Happiness. 
And, you know, unfortunately, a few years ago, he passed away. He killed himself, right? Or it was like an accident. He's not like entirely sure. But it was like he's been, you know, and, and so much has come out since then of how much he was into drugs and just had very no troubled one, person, yeah. no one in his life that could actually, and, and actually in his case, I forgot who was a celebrity that people tried, a couple people tried. And one of them- To intervene, you're saying. Trying to, trying to, I forget who it was, a woman's uh, singer or something. I forget who it was that basically said- Oh, yeah, Jewel. Is that what, yeah, it was Jewel. Jewel. Like, hey, listen, if, if you like, you got you got to change. This. You cannot do that. You're like, going off the rails. And she had to kind of separate herself from him. And kudos to her for trying and to also say, like, I'm just not going to participate in being part of this. But he had too many people in his life that were just enabling. Yeah, and I think Kanye's in a very similar situation. And I really hope he finds I think so someone that could actually like help him because this is not. And it's not just his mom, right? Well. I mean, his family's been broken up now, right? I mean, the whole yeah, divorce but it, and, and there's all so that other much stuff. there. You know, there's so much there. So um, he doesn't have those forces to kind of control him. No, I do think something is up. It is a completely inappropriate uh, way to express yourself. Tweet, no tweet, in person, in front of somebody. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't care. It's wrong. Um, but you know, the question of what to do about it continues to be, did you the watch the, big did question. you watch the special on, um, uh, Kanye, uh, the Netflix special? It's no, actually really good. Is it? Yeah. But it's, it's, oh, so, it's a documentary that he made, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's a documentary. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. But when you see it, it's, Hey, you, you, it gives you appreciation of the, just the hustle that this dude had to make it. Like, it's crazy how much needs to happen. I think people forget that because they see now this mega star that is a billionaire, like all the stuff, right? Yeah. But like how much hustle he actually had, how creative, how many like great music he made. But then you start seeing like that side of him that starts kind of popping up and and how his mom was so critical in his life. And it, it's it's really interesting seeing that. Um, I thought they, uh, I'm actually surprised they were able to get that kind of footage from him. I think he needs a little bit of the uh, Dr. Fauci advice, Jesus. He just needs to just... Just lay low for a while. You know what I mean? Like, oh, just Dr. Fauci. Stay, oh, got it, got it. Stay, yeah, stay yeah, out of the spotlight. Yeah, you know just, what I mean? Yeah, just stay out of the spotlight for a little bit. For a little bit. My That's my advice. Um, All right, Asus, you ready to do Courage or Cringe then, since we weren't able to solve the Twitter fiasco? Uh, I am. All right. Am. So go. you get to go first then. Uh, I mean, look, this is I, this was my second, actually, it was probably my first choice when this, this happened, about being the topic we, talk, we will talk about today, but... My cringe of the week, and this is a massive cringe, is for the L.A. City Council President, Nuri Martinez, who uh, is herself and uh, like three other, four other members of that of that cabinet got into massive controversy because an audio was leaked of a conversation they were having where they made a bunch of like racist comments. And it kind of highlighted a bunch of things. One of the main things in my mind that highlighted is how much still to this day there is a level of level of racism, level of, of like colorism that is too prevalent in Latino community. Um, she made comments about another council member who is white, but has a black child that he looks like a little monkey is what she said, but I some changuito is what she said, right? Which is terrible. She was talking about, she made some, some comment about Oaxacans and Koreans being like ugly and dark or I think Korean or Vietnamese. I forgot who, who she was talking about. Like, mm-hmm. And this whole thing, it like it, it. When I heard about all of this, the first thing that came to my mind is that was this, you know, for a long time. And I don't know if, you, if we've talked about this before, but I remember growing up as a kid hearing the statement when people would date or get married with someone that was lighter skinned than them, it was always a statement of mejorando, mejorando la raza, right, mm. making the race better, right. And Yikes. it was this thing of becoming whiter and whiter, and mm. the amount of colorism there is in Latin America, Mexico specifically, and it just. You know, it, it, it's really sad to see some of our civic leaders having this kind of really like ignorant attitudes 
and and yeah, it was a hot mic that I didn't know was 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 turned on, but it kind of I think shed the truth of how these people feel. And you know, now of course the push is for them to all resign. And it was Nuri Martinez was the president. I think the other one was Gil Cedillo and Kevin De Leon. Kevin De Leon. There was a fourth one all too. The, there's a fourth one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, uh, Martinez, I think. No, uh, no, Ron Herrera. Ron Herrera. Right. So there was a four. And of course, they're all not being. She 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 resigned her post as president, but hasn't left her Congress, uh, not her Congress, her um, city council position, right? Uh, which they're pushing her to to um, to to leave to vacate, right? Um, because the presidency is more of a ceremonial, yeah, kind of thing. And it's just it's so so terrible. You know, the other reminder for me, frankly, is that I think I told you the story that I was at a party on the in Venice, and I had this like really funny conversation with a uh, with a dude that was telling me like. Somehow we got into the, the whole thing about discrimination and and he was like, oh yeah, you know, basically made a comment to me that minorities couldn't be, couldn't discriminate, uh, couldn't be racist, not discriminate, couldn't be racist. And this is like a white dude telling me this. And I looked at him like laughing, like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, dude, what are you that talking about? That's a very commonly held like, position that is a though, hilarious comment. It is. Oh, because the whole power imbalance, like, listen, if if someone, no matter and who by they the are, way, and by the way, interestingly, held on the left side of the political spectrum, oh, for sure, only it is. for sure, it is for sure. I'm not negating any of that, Charlie. Okay, it's just the dumbest fucking thing, right? So, um, and I literally went through the logic with them. Okay, so so run this by me real quick. So, if I'm minority, and if I'm making judgment on people a hundred percent based on their race, what do you call that? Oh, you call discrimination based on what? Well, based on the race, what do you call that? Racism. <laughs> You're like, like no, yeah, they sound like me, Jesus. Exactly. I'm like, exactly. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, I grew up in this in an age where, yeah, like I've seen family members, I've seen other Latinos be racist. I've also seen other African Americans be and racist. And you've had people Latinos. do that to you. How people do that to me? I always said, look, because where I grew up, I grew up in Compton in an era where the city was going through a major transition of being predominantly African American to, to being, being predominantly Latino. Latino. Most of the racism that I encountered as a kid was mostly from black people. Mm-hmm. Like that, I just didn't really know any white people when I was a little kid, right? I was cursed. Sure. Like, went to high school. One of my best friends was, uh, you know, like one of the few white dudes that was still left in the in the school. Uh, but like that's the reality. So the whole thing that that racism can only applies to certain groups of people yeah, is just it's completely dumb. ridiculous. And I think this is a great example. It's of almost that. like the most racist thing you can say in a way. Yeah, right? and and it's but it. I mean, this is a real, real problem. And I'm not a council uh, culture person, but I don't know in what scenario this person, this group of people can stay in power having that kind of belief when they represent this city or any city for that matter. But it's just, it feels so counter because they were being racist, not just to African-Americans and these folks being Latino, but also to other Latinos that would just happen to be darker mm. and Asian-Americans. Another, like, like, dude, what, what is wrong with you? Like, this is so bad. Anyways, that's my rant. Well, I agree. The it's only a, it's the a o- cringe. The only pushback I would give you, though, mm-hmm. is that you said how much colorism and racism happens in the Latino community, and of course it does. But you're kind of glossing over the fact that all of these people that did this are like card carrying progressives. These are people who are like, we believe in all this stuff, and yet on a hot mic, not so much. Which yeah. kind of goes to a point that I've made many times, which is there's overt racism the kind of like confederate flag in your face and somebody saying go home where you came from and then there's all the other crap which happens like with 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 folks like this which is no less insidious and nasty yeah but this has nothing to do with it being progressive dude no i'm just saying that entirely i I know it doesn't cause it i'm just saying that we can't the hypocrisy is so blatant when you're out there and oh, your yeah, stated yeah, yeah. position is right. like, this is so... Well, that's what makes it even worse, right? Because you're sitting here trying to... I'm sure some of these folks ran on the, on the platform of Black Lives Matter. 
they're probably out there like kneeling and putting the fist up, right? And then turn yeah. around and make that kind of comment. Yeah, that's terrible. But like this, the level of colorism that still exists in the Latino community across the board, across political spectrum is, I think, something that needs to be addressed. And I think we need to look at ourselves and be like, are we contributing to that? And I think this is a good reminder. And for all those people, especially on my side of the camp that say that, that only white people can be racist, like here's a good reminder of how that's not the case. Amen to that. Okay, so do you want me to go cringe or courage? Because I got pick, both. Uh, pick, pick one. All right, so I'm going to go courage on this one. So just today, Jesus, Tulsi Gabbard, did you hear about this? I did hear about just this, Just yes. today, Tulsi Gabbard leaves the Democratic Party and denounces it as an elitist cabal. What, Her, what, what party? Is she joining a party or she's going to be... Uh, no, she, well, she didn't say. Um, yeah. My guess Free is... Agent. Free agent. She's got a very, like, she's another kind of Rogan-esque, right? Very libertarian sort of streak yeah. and always has had that, yeah. I think, or maybe had it for a while. But her exact quote was, I can no longer, and she has a video too. Yeah. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism actively working to undermine our God-given freedoms. And then she goes on yeah. to go into a bunch of different things. Now, interestingly, uh, so I, I'm a courage, if only in the same reason that I was for the whole conversation with the chess master, Magnus Carlson, mm -hmm. it's like, don't stop hinting, right? Like just say what you believe right. and then have that stand or fall based on its merits. Yeah. A lot of people had thought, you know, she's, she's a little bit of like, you know, which of these kids is doing his own thing. Cause like, you know, you'd see her up on the democratic stage and even in debates and things like that. And, and she would take positions that were sort of against the general platform. Right. Mm -hmm. But she's always been an outspoken person. Sure. Um, and, and now she's, she's, you know, making a decision and saying, look, I don't agree with this. So I can no longer participate in this mm -hmm. and pretend that I am uh, this thing. And I think that's good. I think that's, that's good. So I, I, I give her, a courage for that. I disagree with almost everything she 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 says. Almost everything. There's some things that I think I can get around. But um, I think a lot of people disagree. Unfortunately, disagree uh, with her. with her. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. She says. But I mean, I saw that. I think like okay, that's great. Um, I think there was. I saw a piece that was talking about it. They were saying that the hashtag "Good Riddance" was trending. <laughs> Yeah, there were people, well, there were also people who said like, you know, she's leaving, the, uh, uh, you know, she's, what was it? It was like, um, I said, Tulsi Gabbard, a Republican, leaves the, the Democrat Party. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like Joe Manchin comes out and says that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right, exactly. Joe like, Manchin, a Republican, decides to leave But in a way, Democratic that's kind of sad, right? Because again, we're, we're allowing for no variation within these parties. Like if you, if Joe Manchin cannot be a Democrat. Right. I, 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 this is where I do disagree with you, but I think there's, unfortunately, that's a problem Democrats have. There's too much variation in the Democratic Party. Mm. Right? Otherwise, you know, we saw AOC should leave the party. I don't know whose party it would be. Maybe just Biden, right? Centrist? I don't know. Like, I don't know who, who you would put in that, who would put in that category. We have a bunch of people that I would leave I think Biden it. maybe was a centrist at some point. I, I, I don't think by policy and, and action. I mean, the one thing maybe is him going out and saying, I'm not against, I'm not defund the police. That's like one thing I can think of where he's taken a, a hard line against a, a part of his party. What other example besides that can you can you think I, of? I think his whole platform has been very one to try to like bridge the gap between the sides. That was basically the whole thing of of his presidency. And frankly, his probably was hurting him quite a bit. And I he, guess yeah, that's he, how it was sold. He, he was coming in a lot more uh, um, 
Yeah, he, was, he, I think over the last few months, he's been like ramping up the rhetoric about wanting to be a lot more aggressive of really going after the side. Having said that, we, with what just happened in the in the hurricane in Florida, the dude's out there immediately. There is no political posturing. There is no, we'll see. There is no Trumpism in the in the way that he's dealing with DeSantis because you know it was either way around. And frankly, even with DeSantis having this beef with Trump, there would have been some posturing, something that, sure. that would have made it all, all about Trump. As yeah. a matter of fact, his first speech that he talked about is like he gave so much credit to the Santas and how well he's acted and how quickly he acted for that for that community. So I do think at the end of the day, he is much more about wanting to bridge the gap than not. Um, and we'll see if that at the end of the day is what ends up hurting him in being able to retain power. Can I give you my cringe really quick? Yeah, of course. Antonio Brown, did you see this one too? Uh, no. The embattled former wide receiver of a number of teams. Um, what, what did he, he do now? He, he kind of injected himself into the whole Tom Brady reported marriage issues. <laughs> so he, tweet, he tweets out a picture depicting a cartoon like it's a it's uh -huh. a book it's a book cover it's an image of a book cover uh -huh. with his face superimposed on it and brady's face superimposed on it and the book title is daddy doesn't live here anymore a book about divorce and so tom brady is leaving a house and the mom and the little kid and antonio brown is in the living room on a couch and he literally tweets that out. So um, uh, there's more on that, but it's that is pretty funny hilarious. and pretty wrong. So I give that one my, my cringe That of the is week. too funny. Just wanted to get that one in for That's the record. too funny. For the wow. record. I'm 50-50. All right. Very good. Um, what else? Anything else? That's it. We're done? We're wow. Done. So fast. In just under an hour. Just kidding. It's over an hour. All right, my friends. Well, if you're listening to the show, please, please remember to subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Someone that you think can benefit from this conversation. If you like light, not heat, you've come to the right place. So share it with somebody else. We'll see you again next time on Unsiloed. Bye. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.